Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, May 25th, 2021. It's probably time for us to admit that we use the word awesome too much. I mean, we've taken the word awesome and started to make it pertain to things like YouTube videos, right? Where we see something cool and we say, oh, this is awesome. And one thing that we say often to follow that up is, you got to see this. I mean, when was the last time you saw something cool and you thought, oh, that was awesome. And then you sent it. If it was an online video, maybe you texted it to somebody or maybe it was something in real life and you just get somebody next to you and you say, you got to see this. Now, sometimes when you say that to people, they might respond, well, why? Why do I need to see this? And sometimes with those things that you're just so excited about, it's like, don't even ask why. Just trust me. You have got to see this. Well, today I want us to see something where that is really true and the word awesome really does apply. Even for a believer, when we think about that word awesome, and obviously that breaks down to the the opening word of that word is awe, right? Which should be something of amazement and even almost amazement mixed with a little bit of fear, right? And we see it in scripture referring to God often and the things that he does, right? Or maybe you think of it in the natural world, something like a, a powerful thunderstorm and you think it's awesome because it is, it's amazing, but it also has that sense of, oh my, like that's so big and so powerful. Or maybe you think of seeing the mountains, right? And part of it is, oh, it's cool, but there's a might and a gravitas to something where you think of as awe. And so we need to think about that word as we use it to refer to YouTube videos when really it should probably be reserved to uh, bigger, grander things. And ultimately, the ultimate awesome person is God. And the things that he does are truly awesome. And guess what? you got to see this. Like You have got to see God and what he has done. And that's kind of what we see as we start Psalm 66, an incredible, majestic, you could even say awesome psalm. Let me just read our passage for today from this psalm, starting in verse 1. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to your name. They sing praises to your name. So there we see rightly that God is awesome and his deeds are awesome. And you see that sense of amazement, but also with kind of that mixture of a healthy fear in there that, you know, his enemies come cringing to him, that this God is victorious and he is going to win. Uh, But then it kind of goes on to say, hey, you got to see this. Verse five, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. So there you you get that sense of, he'll come and see 
what God has done. Come and see his awesome deeds. And it starts reflecting. They, they pass through the sea and dry land. They pass through the river on foot. You think of the Exodus and with going through the Red Sea, you think of the conquest in Joshua and then going across the Jordan River and all these miraculous things that God has done. And one of my favorite lines in this chapter is the end of verse six, where it says, there did we rejoice in him. Well, I don't think, we don't know who wrote this Psalm, but I don't think they were literally there at the Jordan River or at the Red Sea. I love it. It gives this sense that almost because we have the word of God, it's like we can be there to see the awesome things that he has done. How do you see the awesome things that God has done? Well, it's not through a YouTube video. It's through the word of God. And so even just think now, let's put all this stuff that we've kind of been talking around uh, today together with just that idea of you've got to see this. Well, the ultimate person that you've got to see is God. And how are you going to see him? You're going to see him through his word. And even just as you think of when you've got something you want to share with somebody and you say, you've got to see this. And they say, why? Just trust me. You've got to see this. That should be the attitude that we come to God's word with. Unfortunately, too often, we start to think of ourselves as the center of the universe. And we start to even think of approaching the Bible with, well, what's in it for me? What relevance does this have to me? We need to start changing our mindset to say, I need to see God first and foremost. I have got to see this. I have got to see who he is. I've got to see what he has done. And then I'll figure out that it is relevant to me. And we're going to find true meaning even from the Bible when we start just by looking at God and his glory instead of starting with ourselves and well, what do I think or how does this relate to me? Because you have got to see God. And I want you to see that when you come to the word of God, one of the main things that we're wanting to see is who is God and what has he done? And what we're going to see is he is awesome and he is truly amazing. And he has a weight, a gravitas that no one else has. And he should be rightly feared that there is nothing as majestic as God. And so we should approach the word of God with a humility saying, hey, this is his word. I need to listen to it. But also kind of even with that eager anticipation of I want to come and see. I'm going to come and see God and what he has done. And I hope every day that you approach God's word, that's the mindset that you have. Well, now we're going to see Jesus teach on something. We're also going to see, I think it exemplified in a couple of other of our other passages this morning. So let's go first to Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 52. And here we see James and John, and we start to cover some of the same stories that we've looked at in various gospels. And so we see James and John coming and asking Jesus uh, that they can sit at the right hand and the left of Jesus in glory. And from the other gospels, I think we get the sense even that it was their mother that asked the question. Uh, And Jesus says, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup which I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Basically saying, hey, I'm getting my place in glory through suffering. You ready for some of that? But he goes on to describe, no, the leadership that he is looking for and the greatness that he honors doesn't come through people seeking glory for themselves. It comes through servant. And he describes what it's like among the Gentiles. But then in verse 43, he says, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And there we see the mindset that every believer should have. Today is not about me. My home is not about me. My job is not about me. My role at church is not about me. I am here to serve. And that is what Jesus calls us to do. And that is the example that Jesus has shown. It's also the example that we're going to see from the apostle Paul. Now, as we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and just again, for context, he's talked about meat sacrificed to idols, and that's what he's going to come back to today. He's talked about um, just his own compensation and that he doesn't receive anything from them. He's not paid in any way for the ministry that he is doing, and he's he makes the point, I deserve to, that's my right, but I'm willing to give that up to serve you. And then in chapter 10, he's coming back now to idolatry. And as we pick it up, as we're looking at verses 14 through 33, we see, you know, he's talking about this meat sacrifice to idols. And on the one hand, he has written, hey, meat sacrifice to idols, since idols aren't real, it's really, it's really nothing. So it's not bad. It's not sinful to eat meat sacrificed to idols. But today he comes back basically to the dangers of idolatry and saying, flee from idolatry. And so then he's kind of saying, but on the other hand, idolatry isn't something that you want to mess around with. And I think he's saying this even to keep in mind those that might have a conscience that is bothered by eating meat sacrificed to idols. I think he's kind of saying, hey, that even though that might not be the totally best way to think about it, they're not wrong in how they're thinking about it because idolatry is not something that you want to mess around with. And so he comes back and kind of puts a bow on this situation and kind of wraps up some of this particular discussion on meat sacrificed to idols here at the end of the chapter. And he says in verse 23, all things are lawful, saying, hey, I am allowed to eat meat sacrificed to idols, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Right. And so he goes on to basically say, hey, my goal isn't what am I allowed to do? What I want to ask is, hey, what's the best thing that I can do and how can I serve others? And that's where, again, the issue for us might not be uh, meat sacrificed to idols, uh, but there will be things where we need to not ask, well, what am I allowed to do? And instead, we should ask, what's the best thing I can do? In particular, what can I do to serve others? And that's kind of what we go on to see. Basically, he's saying, hey, you should serve others. So if an unbeliever kind of invites you over, probably the best thing that you can do to serve them is just don't ask any questions right? Don't ask about the meat because maybe you'll offend them if you if you don't eat it, right? Just, just don't ask. Try to serve them. Let them be hospitable to you. But hey, if it's a believer and, and that's maybe more the, the situation and you know someone's around or you know for sure this meat has been sacrificed to idols, well then don't eat it because then you'll be able to not bother the conscience of your fellow believer. So instead of, well, hey, meat sacrifice idols. What am I allowed to do? Ask, how can I serve others? Whether that's an unbeliever or whether that's a believer. And then we get to a very familiar verse in verse 31, where he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that's easy. You know, we, we plaster that verse over kind of anything that we do, and we do want to do whatever we do to the glory of God. But kind of in this specific context, what we're seeing is how do you do something for the glory of God? You do it by trying to consider other people, 
where he says, give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, seeking not my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Right. And that's where we need to understand there's a fine line of being a people pleaser and being a servant. Right. Because you might even say Paul tries to please everyone. Well, that that that's not a good strategy. In fact, aren't you not supposed to be a people pleaser? Well, being a people pleaser is I'm trying to please people really for myself so that they will like me. Uh, Being a servant is I want to serve them and I want to please them so that they will love Christ and see how good he is. And that's the mindset that we should have. We want to glorify God in everything we do, considering, hey, what can I do to show this person how great God is? So may we seek to do everything to the glory of God today. Finally, we start a new book in the Old Testament, which we move on to 2 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. And in 1 Samuel, we read a lot about King Saul and just his pursuit of David. Now, 2 Samuel will be all about the reign of King David. And what we're going to see here in the beginning is somebody comes and brings him news of Saul's death. And this person even lying takes credit for Saul's death. And David responds by having this person killed, saying, you raised your hand against the Lord's anointed. So you can see even in death how seriously um, he speaks about that. And then it's he writes a very touching lament. And it makes sense that Jonathan is included in that because Jonathan was his his friend, his best friend, it seems. But it's also for Saul. And so it's interesting that even in Saul's death, even though Saul was a wicked king, David mourns it. And maybe there's something we can learn in there that whether it's our friend or whether it's someone that feels like our enemy. And that was something I read that was challenging about that, that it reminded us that uh, David was Saul's enemy, right? Saul hated David, but Saul was not David's enemy. And may that be true for some of us where there might, we, there might, we might have enemies, people that dislike us and we don't understand why, but may they not be our enemies that we're not responding in kind, but it, even if something bad were to happen to them, we would mourn like David does for Saul. And then we see he is anointed king and we're going to see there's a little bit of a back and forth and kind of a conflict between David and one of Saul's sons. And we'll see that over the next couple chapters before David really becomes the king of all of Israel. But every time when we come to God's word, may we look to God and expect that we're going to see great things, awesome things from him. And may we be ready to respond to that however he wants us to. And today, may we respond to that by following his example of service and seeking to do everything to the glory of God. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.